Amen. We're going to start our second lesson on the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in our church and amongst our midst. Heavenly Father, would you help in Jesus' name? Amen. My goal this morning is to not finish the thought. My goal this morning, by the time you walk out of here, no matter what your spiritual background, to be able to ponder this question, the Holy Spirit to me is blank. I think for so oftentimes we in the church, we go, well, he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit again. And if my, I have a prayer this morning, my prayer is that everything that you've ever learned about the Holy Spirit will go to the, to the, the background and to the forefront. A question will remain, what is the Holy Spirit to me? And I hope to entice you into a conversation with the person who Jesus said when he comes is going to be your helper. He's going to be the person that's going to guide you in all truth. And my hope this morning is to provoke a conversation about how the Holy Spirit is our helper. We read in Scripture that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. The Bible doesn't say he is a dove. The Holy Spirit said he descended like a dove. And it reminded me of a missionary to the, to the country of Japan, Dorothy Sayers, who was telling of a Japanese convert who was struggling to grasp Christian theology. In broken English, this Japanese person said the following, Honorable Father, very good. Honorable Son, very good. Honorable Bird, I do not understand at all. I think if we were to be honest, there are a lot of people that understand the Holy Spirit is for us in our, in our life today, but we understand the concept of our Heavenly Father we understand the sacrifice of Jesus, the Son, but we have a, a time or a hard time understanding that honorable bird, the like a dove. John Bevere says this, there is an error that many make. They have attempted to understand the work and power of the Holy Spirit without first coming to know Him as a person. Matthew chapter 7 reads this way, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And have we not in your name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. The warning from Scripture is clear. Be careful to not care more about the works of God than building a relationship with the author of the works. Holy Spirit is a person. It's crucial to, that we establish in our hearts and our minds whether or not we believe that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. One who is infinitely holy, infinitely wise, infinitely mighty, yet wonderfully tender, sensitive, and compassionate. In calling the Holy Spirit a person, I want you to hear me this morning, that doesn't mean that we are calling Him human. We are simply saying that He possesses attributes of what we could, would consider to be personality. The Holy Spirit is deity, but not a human being. We must distinguish that humans were created in God's image. So won't you listen to me? So the Holy Spirit is not like us, but rather we are like Him. Let me offer a basic example that will help illustrate this truth. Water, or H2O, can manifest itself as three different forms. And temperature determines whether H2O will appear as a solid, liquid, or gas. So water substance, its molecular structure, never changes one iota, 
but its expression will change based upon its environment. It's in the same way that God's central makeup doesn't change. When you see the Son, the Bible says you see the Father, and the Spirit was sent to reveal the Son to us. So God is one in purpose, and yet has three expressions who perform unique functions, though there are three persons, there is only one God. Most of us try to understand God to be like us, when the first start of this lesson you have to understand is that He is not like us, we are like Him. We are created in God's image. All of us have a body, we have a mind, and we have a soul. Three distinct expressions which perform unique functions. All that to introduce or reintroduce to you the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. So let's define for unity's sake as what we mean when we say we are believing for a move of God in the valley or a move of the Holy Spirit in the valley. A move of God can be defined in a number of ways to a number of people with good and correct intent, but I'm going to define to you what I believe a move of God in the valley looks like. I believe that a move of God is not that God is going to move towards us. I believe He already has. I believe a move of God in the valley is, really looks like a move of man back to God. God has already chased you. He's already pursued you. He already wants to know you. He already sent His Son, John 3.16, to have a relationship with you. But a move of God, what a move of God looks like is the Holy Spirit falling upon you, you realizing your need and running towards Him. It's what Tori was singing about today. That you're not going to know the cost of everything that I've put into this alabaster box. That all He wants is what's in there no matter what the world deems to be worthy of it or not, that to lay that down at His feet. I am believing for a move of God in this valley. It's an encounter with the tangible presence of God, the Holy Spirit, founded upon God's Word that leads to a transformational change to radical surrender to Jesus and His will to my life. A move of God, if it doesn't involve surrender to Jesus, is not a move of God, it's a move of man. At the end of the day, if people's lives aren't transformed by Jesus, what you have had is a move of man and not a move of the Holy Spirit. It's good preaching, Pastor. See, moves of God can be counterfeited by man's attempt to help God. God doesn't need our help. God needs willing vessels that the Holy Spirit will move through to advance the kingdom for kingdom purpose. A move of God is more than an expression. It's a transformation. It's when we describe moments when altars are full. The, we describe them as eyes are tear-filled, hands are raised, Bibles are open, hearts are surrendered. What we're describing is the moment. The moment when the Holy Spirit reveals to you something that you had no idea needed to be revealed to you. That's what this valley needs. This valley is, is being blinded and deceived and they're turning to drugs and riches and popularity and religion, and denomination. But what this valley needs is a Holy Ghost-inspired moment that opens not up these eyes, but these eyes to the things that God wants to do. I'm believing for a moment. A moment in a church service where the Holy Spirit takes over like He did in the Old Testament. Where the Bible says the glory filled the temple and ministers couldn't even minister because the Holy Spirit was already moving amongst our midst. I am believing for a moment 
That when He, the God of the universe, reveals to people that He wants to have a relationship with you. If you're new to the faith or you're new to our church, I've seen many of you guys as we walk through this service, tears begin to fill your eyes. Unexplainable emotions starting to happen. That is the tangible presence of God touching you and inviting you to a real relationship with Jesus. When that tangible presence hits you, it doesn't, it doesn't hit you and you go, oh, I want a certain worship style, or I want a certain kind of preacher, or I want a certain kind of church. No, when the Holy Spirit hits you, what it says to you is, is there's something that is broken inside of me that wants me to run to Jesus to be healed. And what we're believing for is people to not just come and be introduced to Parkway or a style of worship or a way a pastor preaches, but we are believing for, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the spotlight of the Holy Spirit shines a light on John 3.16 and people's lives are transformed by the power of God. He has a relationship with me through the person of the Holy Spirit. Here's what John chapter 14, verses 26 in the Amplified Version says. But the Comforter, the Counselor, my Helper, the Intercessor, the Advocate, the Strengthener, the Standby, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me on the, and act upon my behalf, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and He will cause you to recall, will remind you of or bring to your remembrance everything that I have told you. So many people say, man, I wish I could have a conversation with Jesus. You can. It's the Holy Spirit. If He was just with me, I would just, I would just get on my knees before Him and thank Him. Well, you can. I, I wish I could thank Jesus for the sacrifice that He made on the cross. Well, you can. Because you have a helper in the Holy Spirit that the Bible says in John 14, 16 through 17, He's our friend so that we can always have someone with us. And this friend is the Spirit of truth. I want you to listen to this pastor. This friend is not the sort of truth or the half-truth or the sometimes truth. He is a friend who won't tell you what you want to hear, but he'll tell you what you need to hear. And why so many of us don't have a real relationship with the Holy Spirit is because we really don't want to hear what He says. Because if we really listen, He'd tell you to stop doing that and start doing this. He would tell you to stop talking about that and, stop, and start talking about this. And so before you recognize, you say, Pastor, I really want a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I really want to have an active immovable, real, authentic, genuine relationship with Jesus through the working of the Holy Spirit, you have to know why so many people in church don't have that relationship is because many people are more concerned about the work of the Holy Spirit than the person of the Holy Spirit. If my son, Jace, the only time he ever came up to me is when he came up and said, I want some VC for my Xbox. I want, some, I want a game for my Xbox. I want this for my Xbox. If the only time he ever came to me was in request of something, that is not a relationship. And so relationship goes two ways. It's not me just talking to the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit talking to me. The Bible says that Jesus says, my sheep will know my voice. And there is going to be this Holy Spirit, this comforter, this helper that wants to live life with you to communicate the truths 
on Christ's behalf. A.J. Gordon says this, it costs much to obtain the power of the Spirit. It costs self-surrender and humiliation and a yielding up of our most precious things to God. It costs the perseverance of long waiting and the faith of strong trust. But when we are really in that power, we shall find this difference. Listen to this. That whereas before, it was hard for us to do the easiest things, now it is easy for us to do the hard things. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit comes alongside and helps us in our weakness. My oldest son who just graduated, I've had this, this incredible journey of watching God's miraculous hand on my wife and my son's life. I was on the 10th floor of the Oakland Hospital in Kaiser. They said my oldest son was never going to walk again. He had this rare disease hit his neurological system. The story goes that we were in there for about a week or 10 days, and I was sitting overlooking the Bay Area, having my son in my arms, and the Lord gave me this vision, because he can do that. He can still do that. He still gives people dreams, and he still speaks to people, and he still gives people wisdom, and he still comforts people, and he still helps people, and he still, he doesn't just, he didn't just do it here, and he just didn't do it 30 years ago. He's doing it today, and he's active and alive and working. Come on, somebody. He's still doing it. He's still doing it. And I had this vision, and the best way that I can explain it was like a time-lapse photography. My son, who was around two at the time, every still frame would, would change, and he went from infant to 18 years old in like 16 or 17 different pictures, and he was sitting next to me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is going to be an altar for your son to know that I've got great plans for him and that I'm a God that's still active and alive. I walked, I walked back in that room, and though I didn't see it, I knew it. Though the doctors hadn't confirmed it yet, I understood it to be true. Because faith is believing in something before you even see it. And I watched yesterday morning around 10 o'clock as that young man walked and got his diploma. And they told my wife that she wouldn't make it to my son's graduation. They said because of her sickness and her disease and her illness. You know why I tell you this? is not to brag on the Smotherman family. It's to take this pointy finger and brag on God. Because if He can do it for us, He can do it for you. And if He's done it once, He can do it again. And if He's done it yesterday, He can do it today. We believe in the powerful working of Jesus through the Holy Spirit in our lives. Oswald Chambers said it this way, the ministry of the Spirit is Christocentric. The test of any professed movement of the Spirit, whether it personal or corporate experience, is the place it gives to Christ. One of the places that we err in the moving of the Holy Spirit is we're so concerned with how He moves rather than why He's moving. He's got to work a certain way. He's got to sing a certain... We've got to sing a certain song. We've got to... We've got to dance a certain way. We've got to be subdued a certain way. We've got to be silent a certain way. And most of us, in the working of the Holy Spirit, we, we're, we're so fascinated with the work of the Holy Spirit that we forget the why of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sometimes will tell you to walk around the walls of Jericho and, and, and shout, shout it down. Other times He'll tell you that I'm not there in the thunder or the lightning. I'm in the still, small voice. The leading of the Holy Spirit is something that is so absent from most believers' lives because why? 
They don't really understand who the Holy Spirit is in my life. So listen to me. I'm trying to provoke you today. When you get home and you're sitting on your porch or in your, in your, in your chair or you're driving through town doing windshield time, I want to encourage you to say, Father, who's the, who's the Holy Spirit to me? The Bible says that when you begin to have that relationship with the Holy Spirit, the person who's going to guide you in all truth comes right next to you. Let me give you some examples here this morning about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When the Holy Spirit arrived in power in Acts chapter 2, two things were noticed to the onlookers. They were amazed and they were confused. It's what I spoke about last night. It's not when the church is explainable that it gets the, the community's attention. It's when the church is unexplainable. If you want to see a move of God in the valley, don't try to conform to the world. Try to conform yourself to the moving of the Holy Spirit. You have moments when healings and, and, and salvations and, and miraculous things begin to happen. The world is going to look at the church and go, this I have to see. How is it that a black person and a white person and a brown person can come and worship together in unity when they look at the world and they see disunity and racism being taught? But in the church, unity is a real thing. How is it that we can have old people and young people worship together? How is it that we can have loud people and quiet people worship together? How is it that you can have you and your wife be married together? It's the Holy Spirit. It is incredible what God does when He puts people together. It is the Holy Spirit in action that makes the church unexplainable and it's in the unexplainable power of God that it gets people attention. How is it that Karen Bentoncourt could share a testimony via video last week about how she was physically and, and sexually abused growing up? She had all of these crazy things happen to her. How can that woman find peace? Only Jesus. And it's only through the power and work of the Holy Spirit. They were amazed and they were confused. I believe people in the church like the idea of the amazement, but are we okay with the confusion? We shouldn't be. Demonstration was quickly followed by explanation. In the most power-packed moment in the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2, cloven tongues of fire begin to appear on people's head. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. If that happened this morning, we probably need some help. In a good way. The if the miraculous really hit this room, if, if the glory of God really came in this room, if, if He says what He says He wants to do among us really happens in this room, this I've got to see. But what ended up happening is the community said, what is going on in that church? See, if you can't explain it through His Word, what you have encountered is not the Holy Spirit, but another spirit. Peter's sermon paved the way for thousands to turn their confusion to confession. What is so amazing about that Acts chapter 2 experience is they had this crazy, glory-packed filled moment happen to them, and it wasn't like they were less disciplined, they became more disciplined. When the Holy Spirit hits the room, it's not like you have less control you have more control. And what happened was, Peter is in this room and he's seeing this and he realizes there's a whole bunch of people outside that need to know what's happening in this room. And I, when I read Scripture, 
One of the greatest sermons that has ever been recorded happens at the height of the Holy Spirit move, and it is the most theological, groundbreaking sermon that was preached up until that point. When the Holy Spirit hits the room, you don't lose self-control, you gain more self-control. What an incredible thought. Peter's sermon paved the way for their confusion to turn to confession. God is not just the God of demonstration, He's the God of explanation. He is on one hand, listen to me, indescribable, and on the other hand, easy to spend time with. On one hand, He's unexplainable, and on the other hand, He's simple and loving. A God that is so vast, but yet He is still so simple and loving. The amount of books that have been written for a simple truth is staggering. And really, it all boils down to this fact this morning. He sent the Holy Spirit to tell you that He loves you. And if He had to do it all over again, He would do it all over again. But I'm thankful that when God does something, He does it and He slam dunks it. Amen? You have to realize that you, didn't get God, you don't get His attention because of what you did. You already have his attention because of who you are. He so desires a relationship with you that John 3.16 describes it. And as we confess and believe, the Holy Spirit fills. And the moment happens, we are born again. But wait, there's more. He doesn't just fill you to the top of yourself and stop. He desires to you to fill you to a place of overflow. The key to victory in Christ, I believe, is us learning how to abide in the overflow. Some of us think as the Holy Spirit is that on Sunday mornings we go get filled up and then Monday through Saturday we go get drained out. And then on Sunday morning we come back and get filled up and then on Monday through Saturday we we let ourselves out. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's power in our lives is that we, as we're constantly being overflowed, We are ministering out of our overflow. We are loving out of our overflow. We are correcting out of our overflow. We are are raising our children out of our overflow. We are caring for our spouses out of our overflow. But the idea that we have in church today is that we have to come and get filled back up. And by the time Saturday hits, we've got to go back to the gas station. I want you to know that you don't have to go to the gas station. The gas station comes to you. He lives inside of you. There is a feeling and overflowing that begins to happen. Here's what John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39 says about the Holy Spirit. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out and said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Stop. Most people stop there and think that Jesus was speaking about himself. Invite me into your life. But listen to what verse number 38 or 39 says. But this he spoke concerning what? The Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. William Temple says this, No one can possess or rather be indwelt by by the Spirit of God and keep that Spirit to himself. Because where the Spirit is, he flows forth. Listen to me. If there is no flowing forth, he is not there. If you're not living in the overflow, it's because you're not walking in the Spirit. Because there is this bubbling up that happens when the Holy Spirit's a part of our life 
that there are appointments in your life throughout your week that you're supposed to have. And the Holy Spirit has the calendar we are supposed to walk through. Most never experience the Holy Spirit alive in their lives largely because their unwillingness to be an overflow vessel rather than a vessel always living in lack. This pastor wants you to know that you were meant for the overflow. The Holy Spirit is a person with personal traits. I'm going to go quickly over the next portion because I want to get to this moment that we're, the Holy Spirit has for us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit has a mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says the Holy Spirit has a will. Romans 15 and Galatians chapter 5 says the Holy Spirit has emotions such as love and joy. The Bible says the Holy Spirit in Acts 9 says that He comforts. In Hebrews 11 and 7, He speaks. 1 Timothy 4 and 1 says that He speaks clearly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says the Holy Spirit teaches. Ephesians chapter 4, the Holy Spirit can be made to feel sorrow. You know, the Holy Spirit's not going to come and dwell in a church that He's not invited to. Nor is He going to dwell in a life that He is not welcomed by. Most people say, yes to the Father, yes to the Son, but Holy Spirit, go sit in the corner. Not this church and not this pastor. Hebrews chapter 10 says the Holy Spirit can be insulted. Acts chapter 7 says that the Holy Spirit can be resisted. You have to realize this morning that the Holy Spirit is not someone who just came on the scene in Acts chapter 2. He has been here from the beginning. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is actually the first member of the Godhead who appears in the Bible? Genesis chapter 1 reads, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now look at verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. This three-in-one concept can be difficult, but I like how one, le- one theologian said, pointing to 1 Corinthians 12, 5-7, Are there differences of administrations but the same Lord? Are there differences of operations but is the same God which worketh in all? But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man for profit with all. As we read that passage, we discover that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all serve different roles. The Father operates or initiates. The Son administrates and the Holy Spirit manifests, yet all of them work together for the same purpose. If you and I were going to build a house, what would we need? Well, we would need to hire an architect, a foreman, and some workers. In this illustration, God the Father is the architect, Jesus is the foreman, and the Holy Spirit is the workers who build the house. I like how Acts 15 and 28 describes the Holy Spirit working in the church's life. Here's what it says. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. These words were spoken by the Jerusalem Council when making an important church decision in Acts. I like when it says that the church knew that they couldn't move forward without the Holy Spirit as part of their life. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit is alive and working in all of our lives. Metropolitan Ignatius said this, Without the Holy Spirit, God is far away. Christ belongs in the past. The gospel is a dead letter. The church is merely an organization. Authority is denomination. Mission is propaganda. 
Worship is evocation and Christian activity is slave morality. Or in other words, without the Holy Spirit active in our lives, relationship turns to duty rather than love. Here's what I want to close on. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit is still baptizing people with His power. I'm thankful that the evidence of speaking in tongues is still alive in our lives and our hearts. I'm thankful that signs and wonders and miracles we're not to chase, but those chase us. I'm thankful that we're, at, we're after something greater than an expression or a style. We're after life transformation in people's lives. And Lord, let it start with me. Us Pentecostals, we better be careful. We better be careful that when we look at other denominations that believe in things like once saved, always saved, that we don't do the same kind of thing when we believe that we're once filled, always filled. Speaking in tongues once, I want you to hear me, doesn't mean that we're always filled. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 literally means be being filled or keep on being filled with the Spirit or it's a continuous process. So many of us think that we went to the gas station once and that was enough. But the Bible says that we are changed from glory to glory. Or we were changed with moment to moment in the presence of God. I have told people that I've discipled now for almost 20 years, the most important touch from God that you'll ever get is the next one. Because God is not done with you and He's not done with me. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And it's our job to make sure that we invite that helper to be a part of our life. What's the Holy Spirit to you? When's the last time that you've invited Him to be a part of your daily life? To actually be Spirit-led? One day you might have a conversation with your 11-year-old as you drive through the parkway and go, that can't be the youth car wash, Dad. No, it's not, son. But it's kingdom in action. And let me roll down the window and show you how kingdom in action works. It works through love. It works through sharing the gospel. It works through giving people the greatest gift that was ever given to you and passing it on. It happens when you walk into Mod Pizza and you don't even know the scene that you're going to walk into. It happens because the Holy Spirit leads us on an adventure. But it starts, I believe, with the Holy Spirit inviting you to the greatest adventure that you will ever be a part of. It's the adventure of a real relationship with Jesus and a relationship with advancing the gospel throughout the world. I'm going to throw a curveball because I feel like I can throw a curveball because I'm the pastor, all right? You ready for this? Tori, would you come and sing that song one more time for us? And then would you come right afterwards? And There is a God moment that's about to hit this auditorium, this sanctuary, people that are in this room. You, you, invi you were invited here. Some of you are visitors for the first time. Some of you have been in church your whole life but have never really experienced the tangible presence of God. It happens when you take, like Mary did, that alabaster box, that thing that you hold valuable the most, 
and you break it open and you lay it out at the foot of Jesus. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit is in this room, He's in us, and He's calling people to a closer relationship with Jesus. And it's about laying down our life and giving everything that we are to Him. Tori, would you come and would you sing? Actually, before you do, grab that microphone and tell people your story where God found you and your family. Amen. You're going to know what her alabaster box means. You're trying to make me cry before I sing, too? <laughs> oh, great. Um, hi, my name is Tori or Victoria, whichever you prefer. I don't mind. Um, but um, I grew up um, in a household that was plagued by what we like to call generational curses. It's where, you know, the family before and before and before, the family before fails, and then you fail, and then your children fail, and it just goes on and on. Um, my parents both grew up in broken homes. They had, um, they were teenage parents um, to me and my siblings, um, and my dad was actually a drug addict and a dealer. Um, for many, many years. He actually, he, he, I just found this out. He dealt for um, the Mexican cartel. I had no idea. Um, but it was, um, it was a very tumultuous childhood. Um, and there came a day when I was six and someone invited my mom to church with her and her three young kids. Ugh. And um, we went to church and I can still remember my Sunday school teacher um, never take for granted those children um, because my Sunday school teacher, I can still remember it so clearly, she told me about Jesus and she told me about salvation. She told me that I could be a daughter of God and that he would listen to my prayers. And I believed her with everything inside of me. And I began praying. My mom got saved. Um, we began serving the Lord. We began attending church, and my dad was still doing what my dad was doing. And I remember the fights and the screaming and the doors slamming and me not knowing if he was going to come home or not. Um, and it wasn't until I was seven a year later that um, I came out of the, the children's church room, and I saw my dad down at an altar. And he, was, he wasn't just saved. He wasn't just saved. He came down to an altar in that moment. Immediately, he gave his life to the Lord. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. And our entire life was changed. And since then, my whole family has been dedicated to this gospel and to our Lord and showing people that. And you can go ahead and start that track because the beginning takes a while. Because... Because let me tell you that he changes things. He can change anything. And in a moment, it doesn't even, if you're sitting here today and you're like, I don't even know if I'm saved. Guess what? God can give it all to you right now. You don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait for that. God has something for you this morning and now. And God, I just thank you. I thank you, Father God, Lord, that I'm here and I'm whole and that my family gets to be whole because of you. The room grew still as she made her way to Jesus. She stumbles through the tears that made her blind. She felt such pain, some spoken anger, heard folks whisper, there's no place here for her kind. Still on she came through the shame that flushed her face until at last she knelt before his feet. 
And though she spoke no words, everything she said was heard. As she poured her love to the master from her box of alabaster. So I've come to pour my praise on him like oil from Mary's alabaster box. So don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and I dry them with my hair. Cause you weren't there the night he found me. You did not feel what I felt when he wrapped his loving arms around me and you don't know the cost not of this oil in my alabaster box oh no and i can't forget the way my life used to be I was a prisoner to the sin that had me bound and I spent my days poured my life without measure into a little treasure box I thought I had found Till the day when Jesus came to me and healed my soul with the wonder of his touch. So now I'm giving back to him all the praise he's worthy of. I've been forgiven and that's why I love him so Like oil from Mary's alabaster box. So don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and I dry them with my Out of this oil, oh, you don't know the cost of my praise. You don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster 
If you're not already doing it, if you're physically able, would you stand all across this room? We talked about the Holy Spirit in concept as a person, but now we're going to bring it close to that presence that we feel in this room. Mark, would you come join me really quick? Would you come? Not Swanberg, I'm sorry, Mark. Mark Donaldson, sorry. Thank you for letting me um, put you on the spot. This is one of my heroes. I was 18 years old, chasing the call of God to go to Vacaville, and this is the man that moved me in to his house and believed in our ministry and our life. There's been 20 years of just walking through life. His beautiful wife, Nicole's over there. I felt specifically here that there was a marriage that needed some encouragement. And I don't, not to go deeper in, you know, whatever, but there was a season there where you and your wife were job and everything happening. I just felt like you were supposed to share your story as an encouragement to some marriages in this room. Talk about heroes. This man's my hero. Uh, and, um, you know, moving him into our house, he was 18, going into the ministry, and, uh, you know, we were told about this kid that was coming, and uh, we just felt led to, to move him in. And, and truth be told, he did more for us than we ever did for him. So there's that. But, uh, yeah, my wife and I, uh, we've been blessed to be married now, going on 32 years. And, Thank you. Um, it wasn't always that way, though. It wasn't always perfect, and we definitely had our struggles. Um, I was in law enforcement for 28 years. I know there's a lot of retirees that move up here to Grants Pass, and you guys know the struggle of that career field and the pressures that are put on you and the demands. And uh, It wasn't easy, and uh, I wasn't living right at the time, and my wife and I were struggling, and uh, we had three young kids, and I thought the answer was to just cash it all in and throw it all away. And um, you know, that I would just go my, my separate ways and I'd be fine and she'd be fine and her kids would be fine. And, but you guys know that was a lie from the enemy. And there's people like Pastor Jane, his wife, and his in-laws, our pastors, Pastor Dave and Patty, that grabbed a hold of us and said, we don't know how, but God's gonna make a way. He's gonna make a miracle. And we began to seek after the Lord and, and come back together. And God began to do a work in us to where we stand today with four children, six grandchildren. And I got the chance as I progressed through my career to talk to the younger police officers that were struggling like I did, you know, in my career early on and, and begin to pour into their lives and talk to them about the mountain and you may be facing that mountain this insurmountable mountain that you feel is in front of you in this moment but if you could just see to the other side and those are the things that pastor jay and pastor dave used to speak into my life if you could just see to the other side of that mountain there's something great on the other side of that and two weeks ago we got to celebrate the birth of our sixth grandchild a little boy and all my kids were gathered under one roof in our home and I just stood back in the corner, 
weeping. But for God, God, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for speaking into my marriage. And I get to hold the hand of that wife that I married as a young 18-year-old man and celebrate 32 years now. And I now get to live the other side of that mountain that we were facing in front of us. So you may be facing a mountain too, but there is nothing, nothing insurmountable to God. And he's got something. If you're struggling in your marriage, he can fix it in an instant. He did it for me. He can do it for you today. Whatever the scoreboard of your life says, if you'll just look past it and put your eyes upon him this morning, there's nothing that he can't do, nothing he can't save you from. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed all across this room. Doing my best as your pastor this morning, you're visiting here, you've invited somebody. If we could have Christians praying all over this room, you say, Pastor, there's a mountain in my life, as Mark talked about. Maybe it's not your marriage. Maybe it is your marriage. Maybe it's sickness in your body. Maybe it's something that you're facing in your life that's even unspoken in this service, but the Holy Spirit knows. And he's been tugging on your heart. You're only one prayer away from a life transformation, giving your whole heart to Jesus. I don't care how long you've been in church, if you've been in here for years or decades, or you've just been here for the last few weeks, you say, Pastor, there's a mountain that I'm facing that I need to cash it all in and say, God, would you help? Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Would you stretch up your hands so I can see it if that's you? Yes, hands. Yes, hands are going. Looking in the upper deck right now, if that's you, stretch your hand so I can see it. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I see your hand up there, sir. Thank you, ma'am. By my count, there's probably, I don't know, 25 or 30 hands that were raised. If you raised your hand, could you, could you look at me really quick? Everyone else, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you raised your hand, would you look at me? trying to catch some of you right now. I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to be, can for some be pretty scary. But the reason why I want to ask you to do it is because everybody in this room or a lot of people in this room have done the same thing that you've done where they walk forward and they have someone help pray for them. And there's something about like what Mary did and laying it at the feet of Jesus that is just so passion-filled and just an incredible moment that's about to befall you. If you raise your hand, you say, Pastor, there's this mountain that I, I need to give to Jesus. And you raise your hand. I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to hesitate. I want you to come meet me right here. Would you come meet me right now? Yeah. Come on. Yes. Yes. If you're a board member that feels comfortable with it, staff members, would you come right behind? Church, I know we're going to walk out that way in a few moments, but if we can turn our faith...
to this moment that's right here. Would you stretch your hands towards these wonderful people that made this courageous walk? We have some prayer warriors come behind.
before we dismiss and pray over you guys thank you for allowing us to take a few moments to pray the prayer of faith over these wonderful people I felt the Holy Spirit say if you're not ready today he is so patient and kind and loving but I felt like I was supposed to tell you you've tried it all to the person that I'm talking, you've tried relationships and they've broken you. You've tried the, the drink and the drug and they've never filled you up. You tried to find it in money and, and still hasn't worked. Why don't you come to Jesus and give him a try? He'll never let you down. This church is here for people just like you. These doors are always open. The phones are always open for you, as Mark said, to peer out and look over the mountain, this mountain that's facing you. There's victory on the other side in Jesus. Amen. Let's pray for our friends here down here. Heavenly Father, I wouldn't even begin to know the need that's represented in this altar area. The hurts, the pains, the struggles, the addictions, the sicknesses, the illnesses. But none of those, none of those names are more powerful than the name of Jesus. So I speak Jesus over every situation. I speak life. I speak transformation power. God, if you need to change their hearts, change their hearts. If you need to renew their minds, begin to renew their minds. If you heal their bodies, do it now in Jesus' name. If there's relationships that need to be healed, Father, mend them now in Jesus' name. Father, we believe that you can do in a moment what it would take a lifetime of journey and effort to see. So Holy Spirit, we give you permission in the mighty name of Jesus to do what only you can do, to touch hearts and lives. If you're down front, I just want you to slip up both of your hands just as a sign of surrender. Would you slip them up like this? I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, you're welcomed. Holy Spirit, you're welcomed. Give me direction. Give me healing. Breathe life. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. 
Every one of you are on assignment this week. Coworkers, family members, friends, classmates. The question of the day, Holy Spirit, who are you to me? Who are you to me? This pastor felt like I was supposed to challenge you this week to get in your prayer closet, to get in your word. Holy Spirit, who are you are to me? To me, he is the tangible presence of God that's transforming my life to be more like Jesus. And every day I have an opportunity to be on assignment in this great adventure to, sell, to tell somebody that doesn't know about the great gift, the great gift that's found in Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, bless our people. Guide, protect them. But God, don't protect them in safety. Protect them while they're walking this great adventure out in you. Father, the eyes would be open, the ears would be, he- be ready to hear that assignments would be given by the Holy Spirit that we would fulfill, that lives would be changed in this Rogue Valley. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. They're going to keep singing. If you need to leave, you can leave.